The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Before we dive into another week, this week of Holly and Friends, <laughs> and I say that because Holly each and every week seems to have somebody new who's like, oh, we need to talk to, insert name here. Uh, Taylor sent us a message, Holly, that says, have you thought about maybe bringing on some of your friends, Johnny? I, I have thought about that. Two of them. It was previous. Now I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Leland and uh, Robbie. Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Well, you know, since it is Holly and Friends, I happen to go to Kingdom Bound yeah. <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Uh, First time ever. Yeah. It was wonderful. And whilst I was there, I made a new friend. <laughs> and on, uh, on a road trip all the time to find new people. And uh, yeah. Alex yeah. Senjimana, my friend, how are you? I am great. Thank you so much, uh, Johnny and Holly, for having me. It's an honor. You know that you make an impact in someone's life when I see Holly or I hear from Holly hours later that says, I met Alex and we have to talk to him. It was an awesome uh, uh, meeting moment at the Kingdom Bound and seeing people there to, uh, who had come to celebrate and have some fun. And uh, it's such a, a community event uh, where people meet people and uh, connect. And so that, when I was uh, walking by, we, we got to come to the tent and we got to meet Holly and hear about the ministry uh, that uh, that she does. And we shared our ministry and we shared the stories and how uh, um, the stories can come together and help people see what God is doing in people's lives. Well, we can't wait to hear uh, about you and your story, Alex. So uh, the first question, it's always the hardest. It's your skill testing question. And that yeah. is, uh, who are you and where did you come from? My name is Alex Senjimana, and I was born and raised in a small little country called Rwanda. Um, Rwanda is a tiny little country found in, in the central east of Africa. And uh, born and raised, um, I grew up, I was raised by my grandmother, uh, who loved me very much. And... Uh, I had a, I have a, a brother uh, who also actually is in the United States, and uh, I have a sister back home. But growing up in that country, that's when uh, the country was going through a lot of tribal unrest back then, and that's how God. Part of the story I'm going to be sharing it's uh, how God brought me through that, and just the uh, the many miracles I did did along the way. Yeah, because whenever I hear of Rwanda, I think of the genocide that happened there. That's really my only point of reference. And you lived through that. Mm-hmm. How old were you when this started? Now, when the genocide started, I was about six years old. Mm-hmm. And I was um, living with my grandmother at that time. Uh, my mother had passed away of HIV AIDS when I was very little. And I never knew who my father was. Mm-hmm. So the people that I looked up to were my grandmother and my two uncles. And they raised us. They did everything they could to protect us. But to just kind of give a little history during the genocide, the genocide was a result of hatred that had been created among the people of Rwanda. So there was this uh, animosity going on since, you know, since the 1900s. And so in 1994, a genocide against one of the tribes, against the Tutsi tribes specifically, broke out. And it was that from April 6th when it started, to July 4th, that a million people were killed and over 400,000 orphans uh, were left in, the, in this country. So as a little boy, uh, living in a small little village with, with our, our family, since we're among the, uh, among the tribe, we were, we were among the first people who were hunted down in our, in our village because hatred was so great that actually a neighbor did not see their own neighbor as human beings 
and a neighbor killed a neighbor, a friend killed a friend. My own neighbors are the ones who actually attacked us and they would kill my grandmother. And a week later, uh, they would, and other men would come and they would also kill my grandmother. Um, um, they killed my grandmother for sending my uncle a week later. And so me and my brother and my sister, we are left with our, one of our uncles who would bribe the militias for the following week. And so when he had no money left, he would uh, come to us and say, look, you need to leave. We walked from the village all the way to the city where we lived, uh, where our aunt lived. We lived with our aunt for, for some time. And, we, and during the time we were walking, there were so many incidences that, that, could, that happened. We could have been killed. But I see, when I look back, I see God's presence was with us along the way, protecting us because there's no uh, explanation. There was no reason why we should be alive because... During that time, the hatred was was great. Also, that um, they they wanted to wipe out the next generation, and they were starting with the families. So we lived. When we got to the city, we lived with our aunt. Eventually, the city got worse, and we started to run from place to place. Uh, wherever the night would find us, that's where we'd sleep. Uh, Rwanda, being a little uh, central, a little country in the central east, it's uh, it's known as the land of a thousand hills um and we would climb hills after hills uh, but uh jenny and holly this is one of the most vivid moments that god really used to save my life uh it, there's humor in this in this part uh how god used to save my life and i'm always grinning smiling every time i get a chance to share this part when i was running with my family we about two thousand people all of us were running for our lives and we're being caught in the middle of uh militias being chased out by the people who came to stop the genocide. And we get into this valley and I hear this noise coming from a distance and I had no idea what, it, what the noise was. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm six years old, so I'm running, I'm just being a kid and I slip and fall to the ground. When I fell, that noise missed my head by an inch. Mm. So me and my brother were thinking, what's going on? We're just trying, we're young. We, we just want to figure out what's happening. So we run and we find out that the, that the noise that missed my head was a bullet by an inch, because I had fell in a cow pie. Oh, no. Yeah. So fell in a cow pie, and a bullet missed my head. And that's what got used to save my life. That's just gross. Let's be honest, right? Yeah, couldn't you pick, like, water or a puddle yeah, or something? Yeah, I know. Chipped in a rock? Yeah. But I look back and, and, and see what a powerful God we serve, hmm. a God who works in mysterious ways. And so for me, I, when I look back, I just realized constant miracles that he did. So at the end of that genocide, we were put in a camp. We lived in the camp for about uh, uh, three weeks or together. Then eventually we were sent back to our, to our house in the city. But it was during this time that my aunt got sick. She wondered what would happen to me and my brother and my sister uh, since our mother had passed away and our grandmother had just been, uh, taken away, been killed during this genocide. And so she decided to put my brother and I in an orphanage. So when we got into this orphanage, three months later, she also passed away. In this orphanage, all of us were about 250 kids living in a facility that was built for only 60 people. So orphanages were packed. During this time as well, the borders had been opened. The genocide had been ended by, um, by refugees who had come back to stop, uh, who had been exiled for many years and had come back to stop the genocide. When they ended, the, when the genocide ended, uh, when this orphanage, many people, the borders were open and many people were coming back in, back in the country. 
And one of the organizations that came to Rwanda was Meriden's Purse because they wanted to uh, help uh, the people of Rwanda. They wanted to help people physically and spiritually. And so it was during this orphanage that I had the first encounter with uh, Samaritan's Purse. In 1995, when I got into that orphanage, that's when uh, they brought Operation Christmas Child Shoebox gifts. When I was in that orphanage, lost all hope. Something very simple as that Shoebox gift really reminded me to be a boy again, brought me that hope. You're seven. You receive this, this box from who knows where. Yeah. That's that's full of little trinkets and stickers and things that we think are, you know, ah, it doesn't really matter. You know, yeah. some kid is going to get us. It truly does make a difference. It sure does. Because as a seven year old, uh, all of us uh, had lost all hope in that in that in that orphanage. Uh, nightmares after nightmares. So one day we're told to line up in the yard and they said today's a special day. You're going to get a gift. So we lined up. So imagine 250 kids. Uh, uh, lining out, getting a, 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 an opportunity to receive a gift. By the way, this, is the, this was the very first gift I ever received in my life. Mm. So we lined up, we get this gift, and then they taught us to hold our presents, our gifts, until all of them had been handed out. So some of us were very impatient. We had to hold our <laughs> present for five long, long minutes, five long minutes. But we got to open the shoeboxes together, and all of us were screaming of excitement. This time, we we're not being chased. We're not being scared. This time we're so excited. We could not contain the joy. We see school supplies. We see hygiene items. We see toys. And as I dug deep into the shoebox, I saw a couple items that really stood out for me. Uh, one of them was a hair comb. You know, as a seven-year-old, you know, that hair comb was so unique. It was so cool. On one side, it had a little brush. Then on another side, it had a little pick. And so I had to pick my little afro that I had at that time. <laughs> And it was such a fun item. I kept it for the next three years. Everywhere I went, I had my hair comb. But the whole experience brought me so much joy. God used that shoebox gift in that moment to really plant a seed of the hope of, uh, of love um, of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so for me, a seed was planted. And actually, a year later, that's when in my struggling time, I started to wonder, does God love me? Does God care? What was he? When I got to receive the shoebox gift, a seed was planted and I didn't quite get it in there. And then, so when I'm in Uganda, I joined a choir and I was in Uganda learning English and I was trying to read the Bible and uh, I would read the Bible and it would say, we're all creating the image of God. And, um, and I was asking specifically, I was asking actually, why me, Lord? Why did I survive the genocide? Because I had survival guilt. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I walked through everything for three months we walked through the genocide not even a single scratch on my skin millions of people died young and old but why me why did i survive and so in me struggling and i'm blaming god for everything that happened in my life and that's when i remember reading uh, reading jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 and i was nine years old i was seated in i remember specifically where i was when i read these words and the verse says that, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare, not of evil, plans to give you a future and the hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So for me, reading those words, I realized that God had to have a plan for my life. And I remember looking back and for the very first time seeing the miracles. And one of those miracles being that it was a shoebox gift that came from a stranger that I never met before 
and brought delivered by operation christmas child in that orphanage at that moment in time and it reminded me that i was special when i realized that those miracles that's when i gave actually came to faith and my faith continued to grow and god sent me people toward that see to kind of disciple me to prune me and uh, guide me uh, into the ways of the lord you were in the orphanage for how long i was in the orphanage for about two let me say about three years from 95 to 97 and then I left Rwanda. I left the orphanage and went to Uganda. And while I was in Uganda, that's when I came to, uh, to know the Lord. Then I actually came to the United States and traveled with African Children's Choir. We traveled okay. the United States and Canada, yeah. And we traveled for two and a half years. And then I went back in 2000. I went back to Rwanda, went back to the orphanage. And then in 2003, God had a sense of humor. Uh, I got adopted into a family in the United States. The, the humor wasn't that I got adopted. The humor is what part of the country the family lived in. Are you ready for this? Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So from Rwanda to Minnesota. Please tell uh, me you didn't arrive during winter. Thank God. Uh, I, yeah. I, we arrived on sept- in September. So they were okay. beautiful colors. It was so mm-hmm. beautiful. We, mm-hmm. I, I was excited about that because we gradually got into the winter but no, we survived. But it was through high school, uh, through high school in Winona, Minnesota, small, beautiful community, loving community that welcomed us and just loved us and um, just put our arms around us. Uh, mm-hmm. It was through that community that I actually got introduced to the ministry that really made an impact in my life, to Operation Christmas Child. The high school wanted to pack shoeboxes. So what was that like? I'm curious. It went full yeah. circle. I mean, you are in, in, you're small, you're in a genocide, then you get the shoebox, it gives you hope, plants a seed, and now you are living a next chapter of your life, and you're there sitting with students who are like, what are these boxes about? And yeah. you, you could probably really speak to that. What was it like being yeah. on the other side of the shoebox? Yeah. Being on the other side of Operation Christmas Child, on this side of the story, seeing shoeboxes being packed, it was so powerful for me to get introduced. Uh, I remember student council at my high school, uh, Winona Carter High School, they wanted to do, to pack shoeboxes. And I remember asking them, what is Operation Christmas Child? And all they did was to show me their logo. And when I saw the logo, I was like, look, I can't tell you about this. I received one of those boxes. I can't, let me share with you. Yeah. So literally it was the next day that I was standing in front of the whole school assembly, uh, sharing how Operation Christmas had made an impact in my life, receiving that shoebox gift. And so the whole, we, as a school, we packed shoeboxes. Then I finished the school, high school in 2007, went to a small Bible college in Rochester, Minnesota. And there I took it on as a project. Um, so a person who leads Operation Christmas Child in their churches and their schools, uh, we call them project leaders. So at my college, I was the project leader and we packed boxes. And, uh, and even this time, I didn't understand the whole bigger picture of the whole, uh, the whole big, the vision of the ministry. It all changed when I went to speak at, uh, to, uh, to speak and share, uh, my testimony with some friends at a processing center where the shoe boxes I inspected and prayed over and, uh, prepared for shipment. And when I got into that, it was in Minneapolis at that time. And when I got into that processing center, I was so encouraged. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember seeing thousands of volunteers who had come from different parts of the state, different parts of, um, 
uh, the state of Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Iowa, they had just come to inspect and pray for these boxes because they know that once the kids receive the shoe boxes, they will get an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ, about the, the gospel. I learned that, that, that vision and I learned about the whole ministry, uh, 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 what they're all about. And I went back to my school and I doubled the num- we doubled the m- number of shoeboxes that we were packing because I had cut the vision. Mm-hmm. And it was so uh, very passionate to me. When you graduate high school, you know, there are mm-hmm. people who are like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a dentist. Yeah. I mean, is it yeah. not kind of fitting that it just feels like you working and being a spokesperson for Operation Christmas Child just seemed to be your future? I've always wanted to be in ministry. Uh, that's uh, when, I, when I came to know the Lord in my heart, uh, when I realized the many miracles he had done to protect me when I came to faith, uh, my faith continued to grow. In that moment, I remember as a little kid, you know, you say that what you want to be when you grow up, uh, but it's always in the mind, but it's not in the heart yet. And so I used to say, I want to be, I want to be a pastor and I want to travel the world and share the gospel. <laughs> Uh, so God opened that opportunity because I've always had a heart for ministry, for discipleship, for I've always have had a heart and I still do of people coming to faith, realizing mm-hmm. that without a relationship with our savior, we would be lost. And so mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons that I, I was even passionate with the ministry because when I was in that processing center, uh, I got to learn about the discipleship program that children today get an opportunity to go through once they receive the box. So it becomes an opportunity for evangelism. The kids then are followed up by their local teacher, their local pastor who speaks the language, and they get a chance to hear about Jesus Christ. They get be discipled. Out of that, multiplication of God's kingdom happens. Life has definitely changed for you from the time you were born, <laughs> yeah. six. I mean, what a traumatic thing to go through. I'm curious, how old are your siblings at that point? You're six, yeah. the brother, yeah. sister, how old were they? Yeah. So my sister was a, was a little bit older. My sister was 10 okay. and my brother, little brother was about four. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And yet all three of you survived. God yeah, walked with you that whole way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, incredible. Was with us. I mean, you touch about your why me moment, um, you know, when you were, you know, wondering why did you survive? And yeah. how does someone process that kind of childhood trauma? How did you navigate that? I navigated through all of that questions of why me. Um, honestly, it was the grace of God and the people that he sent in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, the people God sent in my life really counseled me. Um, and it all started when I was traveling uh, with this choir one of the chaperones actually came to me one day and said, Alex, tell me a story. What happened in your life that you're able to be here today? And so I remember being um, surprised and why uh, she would even want to ask these questions. And so I shared my testimony for the very first time, the hard part that I I had never talked about. So I talked about that and then it, it was therapeutic. So I kept sharing that sometime. But one of the most powerful questions she asked me later was, what if you were to sit with the person who has caused you the most pain in your life? What would you do? And so that launched this desire of prayer because in my wondering why me, I was always focused on, on the bitterness that was inside. And I was asking those questions because I, was, I, had, I had not processed. I was 
um, I wasn't willing to take the step to be, to be healed. And, it, and it's, it's, it's a hard time. It's a hard place to be. And so when that question was asked me, even though I had given my life to the Lord, I was still living. I wasn't free. I was still living in bitterness because and my, my anger was so great that if I would have seen the person who had killed my grandmother and my uncle, I would have done it then. Mm. And that scared me so much that that kind of hatred was in my heart. And so I started to pray, Lord, help me. Help me to heal to the point where I can be able to see that person who has caused me pain. And so God sent me people to love on me, to counsel me, to show me the love of Jesus Christ lived out daily. And within this time I was praying, that's when I went back to Rwanda. And then, But I always continue. So now that I was praying for God to help me heal, to be able to see the people who caused me pain, I also wanted to act on that. And so uh, the government of Rwanda had uh, was trying to was bringing reconciliation among the people who committed crimes and the victims and it's so beautiful to know see that just the forgiveness the reconciliation that took place among the people's hearts and so they were having local meetings in the villages and so in 2008 I actually went to Rwanda to try to see to attend the, one of these meetings where the people who caught, who killed my grandmother and my uncle were there and the only people who didn't show up was those two guys. Mm. And I was so confused again because I was, I was angry again because I was thinking, Lord, here is me trying to take my step, but you're not taking yours. He knew that I was not ready. And I thought I was. Mm. So in two, no, I came back, went back to school, like, you know, no more. And then in 2013, I went, I actually traveled with Operation Christmas Child to Rwanda to deliver shoeboxes in the same orphanage I grew up in and that was very special for me to be able to do that but since I was in Rwanda I've always you know prayed for the opportunity so on that trip we went to the prison and found out that the man who had killed my grandmother fled but the man who had killed my uncle was still in the prison and so it was just a divine appointment the process usually takes about three weeks we had all the paperwork we had all the permission that we needed to be able to go into the prison and I, before you knew it, I was standing and having a conversation with this man who had killed my uncle. And I was able to ask him, uh, do you remember me? And he would say, I don't remember you specifically, but I remember three children being there. Um, and he would say, especially that older girl. That older girl was my sister. But in that moment, that's when I would lose it. That's when I would be in tears. But in that moment, that's when I, I was reminded of God's the God answering prayers that I've been praying for. And so when I look back uh, in those moments of why me, he had planted a seed already way back when through that operation Christmas Christmas Shubak's gift as a little boy living in that orphanage. And God continued to grow. And so I shared this uh, testimony, this story to give him the glory Um and to, you know, whoever is listening, if that person is also in the same way of wondering, why me, Lord? Um, because it's because God cares. Um, God cares. Maybe why you that you're going through the struggling that you're going through? Um, maybe you're facing uh, that painful moment like I did or whatever, whatever it is. God still sees you. And um, even through the hardest times, um, I struggled with bitterness and anger and forgiveness for a long time. And um, in my anger, I, I use this analogy that in my anger, I thought that God loved me more 
because I was innocent six-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And God loved the man who killed my grandmother and my uncle less because he and those guys killed more than 30 people in our village. But in God's eyes, no. God loves us the same. That is the gospel that I was missing out. That is the gospel that I was withholding even from that man who killed my uncle. And I think God was preparing me not to expect an apology from him, but to really know that am I ready to be able to let it go, to forgive that person. I, I, won't, I won't forget uh, everything, but the pain that has been caused me doesn't have to define who I am, but it's the miracles that he did. Alex, I love the fact that we're able to, and Holly and I will talk about it more too, that it's all come around full circle. Um, it is yeah. uh, amazing that you are, are able to share this incredible story. And we are so thankful that you were able to actually take some time and uh, hang out with uh, little old me and amazing Holly. <laughs> nah, you're all, you're all amazing. Uh, we're all equal. Great. We're all loved equal, Johnny. Right. Come on. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, that's great. No, I'm grateful. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a joy to share what God is doing through this ministry and also what, you know, the miracles that God is doing in, in, in all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, we each have a story and God needs to hear those testimonies of, of praise of what he's done. I said it all of mere seconds ago, but the incredible in two parts and the incredible in that you receive a shoebox and then years later get to tell everybody the story about how you did it. And mm-hmm. now you're working for Samaritan's Birth. Yeah, his story truly went full circle. I honestly, I mean, I have a six-year-old. I can't imagine walking from a village to a city with a younger sibling and an older sibling. Like, his story for me is just so heartbreaking. And, I mean, he doesn't know who gave him that shoebox, but it's amazing how God can use anything to reach out and speak to us, to encourage us. Being six and then also having no parents, having no grandparents, having a four-year-old brother to look after and a 10-year-old. It's not even like your sister was 16 and you were older. How at six years old do you, do you see comfort? How, I mean, I'm 40 and scared. You're six. All these things are going. It's just there's there's so many things, and I think sometimes even being a parent, you you look at it through the eyes of a child, and then you look at it through the eyes of a parent. And you're just like, that's not that that that's his story, but that's so many other kids' stories as well. Yeah, and it's it's heartbreaking, but also to hear him talk about looking back and seeing the hand of God just with him, guiding him, protecting mm. him and his siblings. And, uh, and now look at him. He's married and <laughs> he's encouraging other people and, um, also continue to grow in his own faith. The journey never stops. As Holly always says, God's not done with you yet. Amen. <laughs> All right. Thank you for downloading, uh, checking it out, whether it's Apple Podcast, it's Spotify, it's Edify. Reach out to us on all the socials, Holly, because we just love to hear from you. We really do. And you can also check out faithstrongtoday.com for more. 